Hey everybody, welcome to episode 61 of the Masterclass. I'm Cam, and you guessed it, I'm here with Dave. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm here. You are? You yes. want to make sure that everyone knows that you're here? I am here. Are you feeling lonely today? No, not so much. No, okay. <laughs> Tried to throw you under the bus, Dave, but you dodged it. I'm proud of you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here. It's episode 61, uh, and we are back in... Uh, the Gospel of Matthew explicitly for this episode. We uh, we took a bit of a detour last week. I I enjoyed last episode. Absolutely, I thought it was fun to try and um, approach a uh, a subject from a broader topical um, stance as opposed to doing the exponential verse by verse that we've been doing. You know, for like the last seventeen months. Mm-hmm. So. If you didn't hear that one, go check out episode 60. Uh, we had fun, and maybe maybe it's not terrible. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, the verdict is still out. We didn't get any follow-up, so um, I don't know if I should read into that or not. Hmm. I'm going to read into it, though. <clears throat> so, anyways, we're going to get back into the Gospel of Matthew for this 61st episode. But before we do that, we just want to let you know that you can find the show notes for this episode at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 61. And in those show notes, you'll get links to anything interesting that we mention, plus all of the Bible references that we make so that you can follow along, uh, you know, Electronic sword drills. Push a button. You win the race every time. <laughs> I wish I would have had that back when I was a kid. Yes. Be there in Sparks and just on my iPhone. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I'm the fastest. Uh, and then if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter. Dave is at 10.8HBO, where 8 is the only number. And what if that was your... Your whole Twitter handle at ten eight HBO or eight is the only number. That would be the longest <laughs> and worst. <laughs> Actually, I think it might be the best. You should change is, it. Does it have a limit to how long it can be? I don't know, but we should we should find out. I'm I might have to. No, I can't. You can't really change your Twitter handle, can you? You can, because Carol, my daughter's done it. Caroline did it. Really? Yeah. See, I find that interesting. I wonder if there's like a follower limit because I know on your Facebook page. Once you have a certain number of likes, you can't change your page title. And the reasoning behind it is like, oh, Jesus loves the world. You get a thousand followers and it changes it to something awful like Jesus hates. And then all of a sudden these people that liked your, they're trying to prevent people from the, the, the evil bait and switch of making you like an evil, nasty, horrific thing. Yes. Um, so I'm surprised that you can change your Twitter handle, but, um, yeah, uh, we, Speaking of Twitter, the uh, department, the police department that I work for, we've ventured deeper into social media here fairly recently. Have you found MySpace yet? Uh, does that even still exist? I I don't know. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I want it to or not. But sorry, I, side, I sidetracked you. So uh, one of our officers, and this actually happens fairly common amongst city vehicles as a whole, uh, but drove away from the gas pumps with the gas pump still in the car. <laughs> and so, oh boy, uh, it's, it's got a, it, it's literally like a $4 coupler that comes apart when you do that. Cause it happens so often. Um, because there's literally hundreds of people filling up with gas cause it's the city. It's not just our, our pumps. It happens. It probably happens once every other week, but 
he continued to drive away. He didn't like do it and then go, oh, crud. He continued to drive around town with the gas pump hanging out of his car. And so somebody took a picture and tweeted it to our police department and said, asked if we were having a rough day. <laughs> um, but it has been retweeted literally all over the world by people in <laughs> England and Australia. And I have to confess, I don't exactly know how Reddit works. Ooh. But we had a million hits on Reddit on that tweet. Are you serious? Yeah. Holy cow. Our, uh, yeah. And Lawrence PD goes viral. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty funny. So, and, and our guy that does the account is pretty clever. So, um, his initial reply was what you've never heard of a wireless charging or something like that. And then, you know, did things like we were going to blame it on human error, but then we found that, but then we located who the driver was and it's a picture of one of our canine units. And <laughs> he's actually done a really good job of being lighthearted and having fun with it. So that's good. Uh, yeah. So it was very interesting to have all that happen and, a negative's kind of been somewhat positive for us, so it's always nice when a celebrity or a government entity or official can handle that sort of stuff with uh dignity's not the word I'm looking for, but like with some self uh oh my gosh i'm lo- I can't think of words right now, Dave. <laughs> What what is it called when you make fun of yourself? Self deprecating yeah. humor. Yeah, like okay, it happened. It's funny because if you if you come off as a tightwad, it's only going to get worse, right? Yes. Um. Yeah. So well done to uh, handling that in a <laughs> lighthearted and entertaining way, because that that you know scores some points for the police department, which I'm sure are always nice to have points. Yes. Because you can so. cash them in at your Chuck E. Cheese's and get a big stuffed animal. Did you know that? I did not know that. Mm. Do now. Well, I'm just full of useless <laughs> information, Dave. But I think that's enough uh, current events, unless there's anything else pressing that we need to discuss. Uh, no. I think that's probably it. We lead very exciting lives. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well... With that stellar intro now concluded, <laughs> let us hear the word of the Lord, David. Oh, you caught me off guard here. I was on my Twitter yes. account. <laughs> oh, you were you were tweeting while... That's okay. I have Instagram open on my phone. I'm waiting to snap the perfect photo of your pretty face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that. All right. So we are at Matthew 16, verses 27 and 28. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So, that is it. Two whole verses, huh? Two whole verses. We uh, we set ourselves up for a long one today, didn't we? (laughs) We had a long week last week, so we can, you know, get in, get out. (laughs) yes we're good christians just get in read two verses get out i've read my bible for the day all right so let 
us begin. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. Let's start there because unless I am incorrect, which is certainly possible, this is the first time that Jesus has explicitly mentioned coming with the angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hasn't. He has definitely not done that up to this point. So it strikes me as, uh, you know, perhaps important that he just kind of drops like, oh, yeah, and by the way, I'm going to come with my angels in the glory of my father. That does not seem like something that you just lightheartedly slip into conversation, unless, of course, you're Jesus and, and do those things on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, first of all, maybe we should um, explain what this means and why it's important. Okay. Would you agree? Sure. All right, Dave, do you know why it's important? Uh, boy, I think we discussed this last week a little bit. <laughs> really? Of- Look at Uh, that. Him being resurrected and uh, obviously the resurrection. Well, not obviously, but in reference to our week last week, that's why I said obviously, is that uh, we decided that it was important um, that he rose from the dead. And, you know, going back to um, where we started in uh, chapter 16, um, you know, he really kind of goes after the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, and then I don't think we spent any time discussing, uh, who do you say I am? Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. What chapter is that in? Where are you at? It's, number, it's, uh, Matthew sixteen thirteen. Uh, so he asks his disciples and they say, some say John the Baptist, other Elijah. Uh, but he said to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And basically says for, uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And then he basically tells Peter that you're the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Uh, what happens in heaven will happen here on earth. And he strictly tells his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Correct. And then um, he goes on to uh, talk about his death and resurrection. And that he's going to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes. And then on the third day, on the third day he will be raised. Um, Peter basically says, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, and then Jesus basically rebukes Peter <laughs> and tells him to get behind me, Satan. Whoopsies. Gotta love Peter. Makes us all look good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we discussed, uh, denying our cross and losing our life. What would it gain us to gain the whole world and lose our soul? So, yeah, there's there's this progression here of um, him embracing um, his role as the Christ, 
with his disciples, but kind of like, okay, not, not quite yet for everybody. Uh, but yeah, you guys are, you guys are getting it and an element of, you didn't figure this out on your own. Um, God is, is, um, revealed this to you. And so now in 27, for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father, and he will repay each person according what has done. And, you know, I, as, as I look at this and I, you know, I haven't looked at all the, the, the gospels to compare the progression in, in each of those, but for Matthew, uh, where his audience is, um, Jewish people, uh, there's this transition to uh, the eternal perspective and what uh, Jesus had really come to do, and that uh, the focus is a little bit less on what's what's here and now and, and on uh, what's to come. Um, so, yeah. I don't know if I answered the question again. First second week in a row <laughs> no I, I i think that we are getting to the point to to your point where jesus is starting to um explain or uh finish what he has been laying the the groundwork for mm-hmm. as you as you've gone back and worked through that that he is now like he's only he was taking them as far as they needed to go for them to understand understand in, in serious quotes for them right. to at least be like, okay, I guess this is okay. Like he, if he just walked up to them in the boat and said, Hey, follow me around for a few years and then I'm going to die a gruesome death. And then you're going to get martyred. Yeah. No, like, no, he, he told them what they needed to know, not deceitfully and not uh, manipulatively, but to the point where you don't tell a five-year-old child about taxes <laughs> or about a 401k because it's, it's irrelevant to a five-year-old. Yeah. What, a, what a five-year-old needs to know is that you love them, that you want to teach them and that you want to be with them. Yeah. And then as they grow up, you help them transition into adulthood by learning bank accounts and, you know, paperwork and all the things that crush your soul. Um, and so I think to this point that Jesus has found these guys and, and he has been grooming them and growing them and pushing them and challenging them. And now that the time is coming near, he's finally letting them know, like, by the way, this is all what this has been leading up to. Right. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's at this point where he starts to just, we'll see it now more frequently as we get towards the end of the book of him uh, referencing his death and in all of what that entails, even though none of them are going to understand it. Yeah. And and that's again, even the case point with Peter of, you know, the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, he can own that. And then when Jesus says that all this bad stuff's going to happen to me, Peter's like, no, 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 that can't happen. We'll never let that happen. <laughs> so it's, you know, even in that, they, you know, and, and again, Peter gets to be the one time and time again that, probably says what everybody else is thinking and um uh well i i i don't want to paint peter in a negative light at all whatsoever but just that, that he says what everybody's thinking and that often gets him in trouble or you know right. <laughs> so um so yeah so he's really not even quite uh ready for that uh it seems to me the other thing that 
uh, is there's there's more of going on is uh, less of Jesus kind of uh, you know preaching and telling them things and more sort of a dialogue between them and him at least what we have recorded uh, in the scriptures. So, yeah. All right. So the next part is, then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that this part in the sentence comes second and not mm-hmm. first. Because if we're just saying Jesus is coming back to repay every person according to what they've done, it seems vindictive or done so for spite or anger. Um, but if we say that he's coming with his angels, not just with angels, but with his angels uh, in the glory of the father, like he is coming back. And I can't believe I'm about to say this on a mission from God <laughs> with God's full glory and, and everything that, that he is to repay everybody. So the, the purpose of him coming back is in this place put after the reason and the company with which he is returning, um, which I think helps uh, paint the picture of this isn't vindictive. This isn't revenge. It's not uh, a hostile takeover. Yes, he is going to judge and yes, people are going to get repaid, but he's coming at it from the aspect of, God's glory, not necessarily, uh, you know, you said, you know, a bad thing about my daddy. Now I'm going to beat you up mm-hmm. type of situation, um, which is, you know, I never thought I'd ever say that phrase when talking about <laughs> Jesus. But so I think that it's important for us to keep that in mind when we uh, right now discuss what it means that he's going to repay each person according to what they have done. Um, so this is like, I like the first sentence for the son of man is going to come with his angels and the glory of God. And the rest of this, I don't like at all because he's going to repay me for everything I've done. And then verse 28 doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, if I, you know, just do that, (laughs) I'm just giving you fair warning because, um, uh, in, in all truth, I, Asked Dave if he wanted to skip these verses, <laughs> and he said no. Um, so we're we're gonna go through them. But yeah. um, all right. So repaying each person according to what he has done. Now, again, I think this goes back to what we talked about last week in our topic show. Why why did Jesus have to die for our sins? And does it matter that uh, he was raised from the dead? And uh, in that discussion, this whole idea of repayment and um, ransoming. Uh, there was a debt that had to be paid in order for things to get set right. And so when Jesus comes to repay that debt, there are only certain people who are going to be ransomed, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And we're not talking about the 144,000 or or any of that. Um, But Jesus will only repay the ransom for the people that want him to. Yeah. Which you would assume would be everybody, but it's not, which is like the sick, twisted catch 22 of this whole situation. 
is that I mean I I kind of think that the people that wind up in hell really want to be there because yeah. if you don't want to be there, there's a way out. Yeah, and not that that is like, oh, I don't want to be in hell, so I guess I'll follow Jesus. Like, okay, that at least gets you in the boat, and then once you realize how awesome he is, maybe you'll change your tune a bit. But I just the amount of times I hear, well, how can, how can, uh, you know, a good God allow evil or how can a good God condemn people to hell? It's like, because they don't want to be with him mm-hmm. and he's not going to force people to be with him. that don't want to be with him. Right. It's that simple. And if you don't like that answer, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you can't tell me that God is bad because he allows evil to happen when you yourself want nothing to do with him. Right. You can't have it both ways. You can't have God not give a rip about you, but then save everybody because you don't want to go to hell. Yeah. And so the logical conclusion is, well, hell and God aren't real, and that just makes everything okay. Mm-hmm. Except that then there's no real point to anything. But Or God would never really do that. Yeah, and so you're you're pretty much trying to call God's, you know, eternal bluff, which, you know, you're probably an adult, so you can make your own decisions, but you also have to live with the consequences of those decisions. And guess what those consequences are? God will repay each person according to what they've done. And part of what you do is choose to be for God or against him. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Yep. And I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to be mean. Um and I'm not trying to be a jerk about this. I just, I feel like it has to be said plainly that God gives everybody a choice to choose him or to not choose him. And the people that do not choose him and then complain that God allows evil things to happen have no ground to stand on. Because there are many, many people that do not choose God. And there are a lot of people like me that do choose God that do stupid and bad things. So even me, in, in my trying to follow Jesus, contribute to the bad things that happen. But at the end of the day, those bad things happen because people do not choose to follow God and act out in their sin. And God allows that because God wants us to choose to be with him or to choose not to. Mm -hmm. And choice is an important thing in life. It's what makes us alive. Otherwise, we're just robots if we have no choice in anything. And God's, you know, he doesn't want robots. I had no idea I was going to go there in this episode. (laughs) So, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely a judgment going on here. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I, I would have to putting myself in this whole situation, you know, being, hearing Jesus say, uh, that he's going to be killed. And it's like they, they sort of just, which I would do the same thing. They just don't even clue into that. He says he's going to be raised again. Um, and then just the implications of, and and especially for his disciples that, 
our fate is more similar to his fate than, um, or at least, especially for the disciples, their fate was was the fate that he had, and that was was death for what, you know, for loving God and for choosing to put God first and to not to cower to the world's demands, and so, um. Yeah, I, I just think very much at this point, the disciples in particular just don't quite get everything that is going on just yet. I would Jesus agree. Jesus does, but well, they don't. Could you imagine what it would be like to always know what was going on? To just always be a step <laughs> ahead of everybody else? I don't think I can handle that. Yeah, I'm not... I mean, what am I, what am I, who am I kidding? I'm always a step ahead of everybody else, Dave. <laughs> Except for when I'm wrong, which is a lot. But anyways, all right, so yes, so the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of the Father, and he is going to judge every single person ever. What does it say in uh, Revelation? Uh, every knee yeah. shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he's the Lord. Which says to me that no matter what side you fall on, we all wind up in the same spot. Sure. At that point of on our knees confessing, oh, okay, you were right. <laughs> you are the Lord. And then from there is when, you know, the the chaff gets separated from the wheat, to use an Old Testament metaphor. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting day. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know if I'm ready for that yet. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like the bubble I live in. Oh, yeah. All right, moving on to verse 28, and this is where I stop talking and let Dave answer, because I I have questions about this verse, and I I don't have answers that I am content with for them. And so verse 28 says, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm going to talk because I'm just going to go. Um, When I read this, I just naturally assume that see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, oh, means when Jesus is returning, like it says in verse 27, for the Son of Man is going to come with his Mm -hmm. angels and glory and judge everybody. But it really isn't possible that there are some people standing there, you know, 2,000-some years ago, or whatever the case may be, that aren't dead yet, because they're all dead. Mm-hmm. But Jesus hasn't come back yet. No. So I think it's safe within the context of this passage to assume that what he says in verse 28 is directly correlating to what he's saying in verse 27 it would seem odd that they wouldn't be related. But then that would make Jesus a liar, which kind of goes against the whole he's a he's God thing. And so I'm trying to figure out what this means. Because what I don't want to do is go, oh, it's hard, I don't want to think about it, I'll just move on, because mm-hmm. that's lazy. But at the same time, I did not really do enough research going into this to see what the, you know, scholars have 
you know, come up with on this. Um, and so I'm kind of stuck in this awkward place of like, I don't really know how to handle this verse. And that always makes me uncomfortable because mm-hmm. we have a podcast about explaining <laughs> Jesus. And at least for me, this verse is a, a serious head scratcher because the, to me, the obvious interpretation makes no sense. Right. So my assumption is that there is a different interpretation that does make more sense, but I don't see it. Well, um, and this is kind of the the route that I was going to take with this verse is uh, Charles Spurgeon. Heard of him? Yeah, I have. <laughs> so I guess it's Sermon 594, preached at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in 1864. And this is Charles Spurgeon. On Matthew sixteen twenty eight, I confess that I have frequently read this verse with only a vague sense of its poignancy, and have passed over it rapidly, because I have not understood it clearly. Although I am well acquainted with the usual interpretations, none of them have ever really satisfied me. This text seems to arouse the reader's surprise without suggesting a simple, obvious meaning. Bible commentaries have thus invented explanations and offered suggestions that are widely divergent, but all are equally obscure and improbable. So that made me feel a little bit better (laughs) to have somebody like Charles Spurgeon go, yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, basically what you just said, yeah, this is a tough one. And my preference would be just to skip it. And (laughs) I'm uh, glad I'm not alone in that. So, uh, and then, um, it, it, he's right. There's, it's like the he he uses the word invented. <laughs> They've invented explanations and offered suggestions that are divergent, obscure, and improbable. So, theologians would never do that. No. So yeah, it is uh it is a difficult verse and um the way we read it and the way Charles Spurgeon would have read it a hundred and I don't even know what it would be, a hundred and fifty years ago is the same way that we read it. It 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 sounds like that people are not gonna die until he comes back again, so that the second coming would happen while some of the people standing there would still be alive. Um. Well, okay, so here's what I find. uh, One of the things I find interesting about this is that at a different point in the Gospels, Jesus explains that even he doesn't know when the second Mm -hmm. coming is going to happen. So if he doesn't even know when it's going to happen, how can he then say to these people that some of you won't, uh, what is this, uh, Taste death, Taste death yeah. until you've seen the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So I've been I've been a little um misleading in in the fact that I don't have a second explanation. Um because I do. Um but I I I I really wanted to point out the fact that like this is a one of the one of the verses where 
if you interpret this incorrectly, it can have dramatic effect on how you view the the Bible as a whole. Because mm-hmm. if Jesus is lying, then the rest of it is pointless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've wasted your time listening to all 61 episodes of the Masterclass, <laughs> among the many other things that you've, you've done um, relating to this. Uh, but, so here's my... Um, my thought, and please poke all the holes in this you want if it's, you know, made up and invented like Charles Spurgeon said, that when he is referring to the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, he is referring to his death on the cross, which initiates the, uh, as we talked about last week, um, initiates the propitiation or the um, satisfying of God's wrath, right? So when Christ defeats death, his kingdom on earth is initiated. And if you read uh, throughout the New Testament, there's this whole idea of uh, now but not yet. This whole, the the kingdom has been inaugurated and has been begun, but it has not yet been completed or uh, finalized because Christ has not come back to do the judging and uh, of the living and of the dead. And also, you know, when he dies and there's the whole um, idea of Abraham's bosom and all the Jews that died before Christ came and have they been waiting in the, in this, this Abraham's bosom purgatory type right. area. Yep. And did he go bring them with him to heaven then to initiate the kingdom and all of this stuff. And so now the, the key trouble word with that interpretation there is, is the son of man coming in his kingdom, which certainly seems to reference, as I said earlier, verse 27, when he says the son of man is going to come with his angels to right. do the judging. So that's where I think my secondary interpretation of this referring to the resurrection uh, can maybe be, you know, taken out of the knees. I'm not sure. I'm just trying to think of, interpretations that seem to fit with the context of what Christ is talking about that also makes sense with the theology of how this works and why it works, um, but that also don't make Jesus a liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the only thing that I can come up with that makes sense, although I must admit it does not seem like a home run in this two verse segment. Right. And I, I don't know that I'm going to articulate it uh, as well as you did, but I, I, I think there is, I don't think he is talking about the physical body dying here. You know, that's, that's the, when it says taste death, I think everybody's thinking physical body dead. Mm-hmm. And like you said, going further, he talks about judge, you know, he's going to do all these things. He's going to come with the glory of his father and the angels and uh, reward people according to what they've done. So there's a very intentionally use that word judgment when we are talking about that. And, 
I, I think there is a sense of the true death that happens once judgment comes. And uh, I didn't study the words that are used here, um, but, you know, anytime he talks about, like, being crucified, he's basically like, I'm going to die. You know, he doesn't say, like, to me, the phrase taste death is a very interesting sort of um, way, you know, to phrase it. Uh, He doesn't say, you know, they're going to physically die. It says he will never, uh, he will never taste death. Um, And I don't even know if that's, is that, is that, is that the right phrase? Taste death. (laughs) As I'm sitting here talking about. Yeah, that's what he says. Uh, And the verse that, like the other place that I came across this was in John 8, uh, 51, 52. And it's interesting because he talks about Abraham in this one as well. And it's, now now that you have, um, now we know that you have a demon. (laughs) Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. So, when in my context there, I guess the, the jump that I'm making is, well, obviously we're all going to die a physical death. Correct? We're all, we're all going to die. We're going to leave this world and we're not going to be present. But it says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. So even though we know we're going to physically die and not be a part of this world, we won't taste death. And I think there's a deeper meaning there, kind of what you were talking to of, um, you know, the grave is figuratively this kind of waiting room for death that, you know, um, Sheol, Hades, all these different terms that are throughout the Bible that kind of indicate there's something else out there. Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> spent a week there one day. Um, in one day? You, took, you spent a whole week in one day? <laughs> spent a week there one day. Oh, sorry, Ohioans. Um, so, yeah, it, it's... And then verse 53 goes on, Are you greater than our father Abraham died and the prophets who died? Uh, who do you make yourself out to be? Um and again, it's I, I just think there's a, a deeper level of the death that is going to be tasted or experienced uh, that is going on here versus just the physical death. And it's particularly that death that's related to the judgment that's to come and sort of the final <laughs> the final verdict there. And it's like, wow, this is the true death that uh, is forever and ever and our final judgment. So I, I don't know that that answers it, but um, I don't, I don't get the feeling as I read this deeper that he's literally talking about the people standing there, not physically dying. But he says, I say to you, there is some standing here. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's our, I think it's our, it's, uh, the way a Hebrew would have spoken in his day, 
and then we've learned grammar a certain way in English that gets us that gets us hung up. I don't know, Dave. I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna have to bust out my commentaries and see what these <laughs> yahoos have to say. I just I don't like I don't like being unsatisfied with my options when it well, comes to this stuff. Well, let me put it to you this way. I don't think the context of the conversation that he's having is, is he's not prophesying. It's not a, uh, you know, like a prediction of, of that sort of thing. I think it's the context of you're going to be judged. Well, so this, yeah, this follows right on the coattails of if anyone would come after after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so... Uh, and then, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And so, if Christ is going to repay each person according to what they've done, then perhaps in this context, he's referring to, did you pick up your cross and follow me, or did you not? Mm-hmm. Because that's the closest action right. that the person is taking in, in this context. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And again, it's that last verse that just is like the curveball. Everything else makes sense. And that last verse... Well, I think it's even the first... I think it's the word until. Yeah. Because, so like, because I'm not the gonna, way we use until, there's this means, and then that. And then I see you and then I die. Yeah. I don't want to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and that's I think that word problematic is, as well. I don't think they. I don't think they had un. And again, I'm not like saying I know that the Hebrew word here, the Greek word here, is this. I I'm just, uh, you know, looking at at what I see in this verse, and again, not trying to create any heresy or anything like that here. I I just. To me, I feel like it's it's one of those verses that we're putting meaning there that's not intended to be there. But as I it, as you look at it, it, everybody does it, you know, and there is sort of that whole, um, you know, words have meaning and they have an understanding. Uh, you can always be a Bill Clinton and say it depends on what your definition of is is. <laughs> It depends on what your definition of a loan is, you know? Well, it's like, okay, yeah, technically the president is never alone. He always has people around him. Uh, the Secret Service is over there. The president, while he's president, is truly never alone. Oh, that would be the worst. But everybody gets what you're saying. Were you and her alone with nobody else in the room with you kind of mm-hmm. a thing? But he's taking it as a good lawyer should and dissecting it down to its very essence and saying, while everybody watching the TV, when he's saying this is like going, you are so full of it. We can tell you're lying. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't want to bend scripture to make it fit what I'm want it to say, because there, you know, the hangup that you're having here is, is, I can read English and I understand what the implication is. And it's you're standing here and you won't taste death until this happens. So, and obviously the great, there's other great minds that have not just been like, oh yeah, this is what it means. I know, but that's almost worse in my head. 
Like even the smart guys couldn't figure out <laughs> what chance do I have? Yeah, I mean, I'm no doofus, but goodness gracious, I am no scholar by any means. Never had the patience for that. No, not at all. Well, I was really hoping we were going to solve the world's problems today. <laughs> well, that's uh, this verse really is not kind of that that type of verse because I think the thing is I think even if you landed on something you're going to find somebody that that you respect that's another one of those people that's really smart that you're like I usually you know and he contradicts this guy and nobody can come up with something that really quickly satisfies that urge that I'm looking to have scratched <laughs> yeah that's if you're looking for a, a quick itch to scratch theology is not your uh, <laughs> not your first or tenth uh, choice yeah unless you're a weirdo but well as unsatisfying as that is um that's really all we've got for this episode hmm. so so we'd love to hear from folks and yeah what? seriously because clearly you know dave and i have opinions and and i don't know that either of us are satisfied with them um so genuinely let us know what you guys think about um this passage this 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 general area um in in Jesus teaching and in the verses that also there's there's a few other verses in Matthew um that reference the son of man coming and people still being around when when that happens and and what all that shakes out because it, it we don't want to brush over this lightly like oh we don't understand it it's not really a big deal well yes it is kind of a big deal and we would like to understand it. So uh, if you uh, are listening and you have thoughts, um, please do send them. Um, again, Dave is at 108HBO on Twitter. I'm at Cam Brennan, and you can email us. This one might require an email uh, to explain thoroughly. Uh, is hello at supermegacorp.net. And, well, I guess we'll be back next week. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.